Hello and welcome to episode two of Dig New Streams. I am so grateful to be joined by my very first guest on the podcast, Sean Marshall. Sean is a husband, a father, a pastor, consultant, and author of a really, really great book called Transition Decisions, How to Get Unstuck, Embrace Change, and Make Your Next Move Now. For me, Sean's a friend and a mentor, and he's been a steady companion to me as I've gone through some really difficult times over the last five or six years, uh, and I'm really grateful that he was willing to join me here on the podcast. What you'll hear is a conversation ranging all the way from shame and judgment to whiteness to the complexity of getting your needs met when you're in a position of leadership and a lot more. And ultimately, like every conversation I'm going to have on the podcast, I hope it generates curiosity within you so that we can get deeper and more interesting questions to some of the things that we were talking about. Uh, And if you'd like to follow and offer some of the feedback that you have been feeling or questions that you may have, and you can follow on Instagram and TikTok at Dig New Streams Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And without further ado, my conversation with Sean Marshall. Of course. Okay, that so makes I'm a lot like, of sense. So I'm like always jumping on Amazon, reading the reviews. Like, did I get a good review? Get Are a good you really? Review? Yeah. Still? Yeah. Still. Yeah. I, I, so I, I'm trying to get to a place where I can just be okay. Yeah. With it. So if someone were to write a bad review, which I'm assuming you haven't heard one yet. I haven't. Um, what do you f- think you would feel? I think I would. It's funny because I've processed this question. Have you? <laughs> of course. I think I, think, I think I would feel it in waves. I think the first wave would be, uh, you know, I probably need to take this seriously and figure out how, you know, um, what this is saying about, you know, what I could have done differently or what I should do differently next time. Yep. The second wave would be something like, see, this is why I should never have written the book. Mm. I, knew, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. The third wave would be like, you know, hater, you know, <laughs> why did you take the time? You hate it that much that you had to take the time to write the doggone review. And yeah, and exactly. With a bad review. <laughs> um, and then the final wave would be, I, this is my I would go back and read the other positive reviews yeah to get like reaffirmed yeah 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 which 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 exposes the struggle right it's like I I shouldn't be made any better by the positive reviews and I shouldn't be made any worse by the negative reviews Mm. okay that's an interesting that's an interesting thing to bring up there's a like why do we believe that in some ways those like what people say or think about us even though we know deep down it's projection and it's not our stuff Mm -hmm. it's theirs. Mm -hmm. why shouldn't it affect us that way because again i mean i think we've been conditioned um that's that's the way we've been conditioned to evaluate Mm. how we matter yeah and so even when you know it, it's hard to break. Yeah, that's so true. Like right. I teach other people. I tell other people all the time. 
you know, the only opinion about you that matters is yours and God's. Right? Mm, yeah. You kind of know where God is on you. Yeah. Like, he sent a whole kid to die for you. So he kind of likes you. Yeah. So, okay. But, but as I discovered and I talked about in like my first little go round with this episode, mm-hmm. that I had that, I believed that. And I believed that God thought of me as bad, evil, like um, worthy right. of an eternity in hell. Right. Right. So right. there's, we don't necessarily know. What Isn't God that crazy? Thinks. Yes. We, because we, we, we know that, but we don't feel like, because we still hold that, you know, I'm not worthy. So I right. need information outside of myself yeah. to affirm whether I'm worthy or not. Exactly. Right. Because right. I, I have to be not worthy. I have yeah. to be inherently bad. Right. And so, um, so I think we're, we're just conditioned and wired that way. See, this is what, so I, I don't know how much of it is just how long it's been sort of in the, in the water or in what we've passed down culturally or theologically, mm-hmm. but you know, for me, the, like where we go wrong is, you know, the Genesis story we mess up about, like, it's about creation somehow. I think it's about those two trees. Cause like we get, we choose, we get to choose life or we get to choose judgment on a daily basis. Yeah. And what is the first, what is the first thing that the humans judge? They judge their, there's, they, they notice that they're naked and not just that like noticing it, they judge it as bad. Yeah. So like very yeah, from, the, from at, at our, like at our most pure form, we're bad, you know? Yeah. And I think that to me is like, I don't know if that's a theology thing. I don't know if it's culture. I don't know what it is, but I think I carried that most of my life that, yeah, God loves me, but maybe despite the fact that I'm bad or because I'm bad or something, there's always the bad part there. Mm-hmm. You know, Alan Hirsch wrote a book on this. It's called Reframation. Mm. And one of the things he talks about is how religion in the West always, it tends to start with shame. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It starts with shame. So I'm bad. I shouldn't let anybody see me. Yeah. Um, So I got to do all these other things to cover myself up. Right. Exactly. And and, and so, you know, the the approval of people, the praise of people, they just become leaves. Yes. That's so good. The number of cars that we have or the job that we have or how much money that we make or Mm. the fact that I got a thousand reviews on... (laughs) you know a thousand good reviews and oh i'm a 4.9 who gave that less than five i'm just saying you know (laughs) uh, i actually haven't looked i was gonna look tonight you know but uh i haven't looked recently but um all those things become ways out of shame yeah right the the actual way out of shame is to not realize that you don't need a way out Mm. like like you're okay yeah, that's good. That's good. Like you're okay, like right now. Right. And so I'm, I, I, you know, I think that's so true. I, yeah, I mean, your, your, so your book about transition decisions, decisions is in the title. And I, one of the things that I think we moralize all the time is choices that we make. So mm-hmm. it's either you made a good choice or you made a bad choice, and we judge choices when, mm-hmm. when like in reality, I don't know if, you know, you could talk more about this. I know you do. Uh, like they're just choices they're choices that we make mm-hmm. and um there's there are outcomes to choices mm-hmm. and instead of moralizing every step along the way maybe if we sat in the i made a choice 
and lived with that rather than sat in regret, there might be some, mm-hmm. some hope there. Yeah, I mean, our choices are, and you kind of see the evolution of the book, right? So yeah. like, right around you get to chapter five, it's like, <laughs> it's almost like a plot twist. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you, you mean that whatever choices I've made, they've been formative. Mm. Right, and exactly. So, the issue is not so much, am I good or am I bad? Am I better or am I worse for the choices that I've made? Right. The issue is like, who am I? Yeah, that's so good. Yep. Like, so who have I become? Right. And whoever I've become, I'm I'm okay. If I'm breathing, I'm okay. Right. Yeah. It's okay. Like, I'm okay. Like, I'm yeah. okay. So, yeah. So, so there's, because yeah. there's so much pressure and tension and stress about the outcomes of our choices Mm. because we think that the outcomes of those choices are really going to make a statement at the end of the day about whether or not we are good or bad i mean this is a good or evil it's the same thing yeah and uh you know the thing is is that um at some point we have to recognize that our choices simply give us the opportunity to more fully show up. Yeah, that's good. There's a story you tell about when you were going back to Indiana Wesleyan Mm -hmm. and like you knew the route, but you put it in the GPS and that whole thing changed. The question that you ask at the end of it is how much time do we waste traveling the road that seems right to us? Um, and I feel like I can resonate with that thought a lot. Like, w- talk a little bit more about that. That, yeah. Do, do you feel like that can connect to all sorts of things? Like, it can connect to personal relationships, spirituality. I don't know. It where connects you... to everything. It connects yeah. to everything. We 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 feel like there's more security in traveling the road that we know. Mm-hmm. Right. And that connects to everything. But the thing is, is that life don't care what you know. I mean, (laughs) and so life will give you detours and life will give you, oh, this road is closed. Right. And life will give you, oh, this now this this road goes through the city that you used to like to stop in. Right. And, And life gives you that. And sometimes we get stuck because we really want to fall on what we know. Mm hmm. And the problem is, is that what if there's an opportunity for us to discover that this detour is better? (laughs) Like this new path is actually going to give us something or show us something or allow us to become something that we haven't been yet or see something that we haven't seen yet. Mm. And I made the assumption that the way I knew was better and it created a delay for me experiencing what I was going to experience. And not only that, I robbed myself of the opportunity to see things I'd never seen on that new route. Yeah, right, right. Okay, this this leads me to, um, can we talk about white people for a second then? Yeah. Because... <laughs> yeah. All right, so. If you say so, <laughs> white brother. <laughs> right, yeah, so so what we do now I can speak from, we learned a history in this country. Yep. So yep. we we learned what we believe to be a guiding principle, true. It's 
it's like the best country, the freest country, yep. all of those things. And then at some point, I guess, you know, I could say for me that got disrupted and it was painful and confusing and I got upset and angry and shame filled and all this sort of stuff. Yep. I know that you have been in a lot of white spaces mm-hmm. and I know that you've had to speak to a lot of majority white spaces. I've mm-hmm. been in those places um, where you've been doing that. Like, have you noticed this? frequently and what have you noticed i mean is there like a breakthrough is there something that you notice that connects because people are coming to you into these conversations with all of that assumption all that what they know and you're telling them that what they know may not be fully the truth mm-hmm. so like what is some experiences or what does that bring up for you it, it, it's like i'm in some conversations in some of those spaces i'm like morpheus <laughs> Yeah. right 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 and so you're giving people what you, what you think is true is not <laughs> and then you offer you this red pill you know it's and i this is gonna sound funny but i i this is a true observation it's for me at least it's got to be hard to be a white person right now. <laughs> it's just got to be hard to be white right now I mean, because, and and here's why I say that, (laughs) because the whole system of whiteness has worked for so long Mm -hmm. for the white person. Right. So they think, right? It's, it's the whole matrix thing means truthfully. And so it's, it's given you not just a, a way of knowing, right? Not just a path. Yeah but an identity. Yeah, exactly. And so for a lot of people, what they're being presented is not just, I have to take a new route, but I have to deconstruct my personhood, my my way of being in the world. And so what I find is that when I'm in those spaces, having those conversations, I very much do encounter pretty, three groups of people Mm. faithfully the first group that's nope i know the route i'm gonna take my route you know and they're they're gonna double down on the path yeah you know wow the second group is you know um they just they're not going anywhere Mm. because they're too busy trying to start a fight with me wow yeah and i'm like i i don't have to fight you over this (laughs) if you I mean, you could go with the first group if you want to. That's I mean, mm. your choice, right? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. No, no, this can't be. And that's <laughs> those are the good people who just cannot emotionally or mentally process what's happening in the world right now. Right. Like, those are the people who are feverishly trying to, you know, take certain texts books out of schools and yeah, you right. Know, feverishly trying to rewrite laws and because because they're trying to get they're trying to fight to protect the world that they know exactly and then there's another group of people that are saying you know what and this is a smaller group but there are groups that say you know what i've never really felt comfortable on this road Mm. you mean to tell me there's a detour yeah that's good that's really good that seems scary that seems different that seems new but i've never felt right on this road Mm. And then there's yeah. some people who are further down that road than others. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. 
I mean, I, I think you have a unique set of challenges that you've been encountered because of the position that you've been in and that I've witnessed you in. And I don't, and being the kind of person that you are, I imagine you've had to comfort a lot of white people in their repentance or moves away from whiteness. That's just my guess. Um, I maybe including myself at times, because I know that there are times when we want it to be right. We want to like act like we don't need a GPS at all. Like we don't need to be coached along or brought along or discipled or whatever your language is mm -hmm. in a journey that you're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. And so I know that that's something that I've done to like, to be the good white guy that I've just pretended or, or acted like, or assumed like I knew what was expected or what the right answer was. And um, that's a unique set of challenges I imagine you confront as well. I'm, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, because, I mean, again, everybody has a different way that they have to unpack to get on that path. Right. right. And um, so I'm, I'm, I feel better about when the first group you know, those folks who are just committed to, I feel better when they just identify themselves that way. <laughs> yeah, like, I, right. like oh, thank you very much. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. You know, let's go you know, separate you know what to deal with there. Right. Yeah, I know what I'm dealing with. Yeah. The second group, I've decided I, I cannot be responsible for, you know, your, it's kind of like when your child has a tantrum. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the absolute worst thing you can do is sit there and feed the tantrum. You're like, I'm sorry you're having a hard time. I'll come back. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know check on you later. <laughs> I cannot take responsibility for your emotional response. Right, right. I find myself with a lot of grace for that third group because um, I, I can, I, and I feel like this part of my purpose and, and reason for being, it gives me joy. I, I feel like part of my is, is to help people who are trying to explore new paths. Mm. And so uh, when someone says to me, I'm committed to going down this new path, yeah, but I'm scared or I need help or what should I do or how would you advise me or can you mentor? Yeah, I'm willing to take that, you know, road with somebody um, until they show me, you know, they're inauthentic or, you know, they really don't mean. But if, they're, if their heart is really on that path, that's... Mm. I'm there for everybody because that's kind of what I feel like I'm I'm that guide that that kind of person to help folks along that way so yeah the, the yeah. wise one the wise one ah uh, so you say <laughs> I do <laughs> yeah that's my experience yeah. at least and I, I I've experienced seeing you go from preparing to speak to these crowds and what it does to you because I know that that's been a challenge to delivering these things and then Mm -hmm. I mean, what getting to see that process is something. I mean, yeah. So the newest thing you're working on is around recovery, but yep. it's through the Manifest Network that you are co-founder of. Uh, yep, with my wife. The, yep. Yes. Um, so I feel like what you touch on a lot is just bringing people through difficult times. But what was it specifically around? Um, was it around the pandemic? Was it around seeing what's been going on in the country? What What are some of the things that made you feel like this is the time to talk about recovery and and um, 
yeah, how you got that kicked off? What was going on there? No, that's a great question. You just helped me realize something about myself. Thank you. Because mm. um, honestly, I've been, there are times when I ask myself the question, why do I have anything to do with this, with these white folks who are, you know, trying to bear fruits worthy of repentance, you know, <laughs> when it comes to racism and injustice? <clears throat> And you just helped me make sense of that in the context of what I feel like is my deeper call, which is transition. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, uh, you just helped me I name a stream. Thank you. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> uh, but what, what happened with that, and it was really interesting. Um, so, you know, one of the things I talk about in the book is how I hear God, mm. right? Like the heavens don't open for me. I don't hear this big voice that goes, Sean, this is the Lord, you know, <laughs> and a, it's, it's often interruptions of my train of thought mm. that make me feel loved, comforted, smarter than I did five minutes ago. <laughs> and so um, I have this um, compelling sense that right at the end of 2019, that we needed to create a space for people to gather on a monthly basis. Hmm. for people who are just in transition trying to figure themselves out you know trying to figure life out trying to figure career out we start doing that and then of course march 2020 the whole world you know shuts down and we move that into a virtual space and then we start finding people showing up for because one of the things that happened at the start of the pandemic when everything went virtual was geographies were crossed right so right right people you know we were reaching people in chicago and all of a sudden they start coming from everywhere and then we're just living life together virtually and all of the things happened right from mm. george floyd to pandemic to um that that dude they said was president for a minute you know and <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, you know people dying and loss and you know, some people struggling financially while a very small few did quite well, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was all just a mess. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was hell. And it was hard. And so, you know, a few months back, I'm thinking about this, like, so what does Manifest do going into 2022? Mm. And I'm not feeling all the rhetoric, you know, like, come on, let's start the year strong, you know, let's, come out of this pandemic strong. I'm like, oh, it's <laughs> nasty, dirty. I feel icky. Yeah. Like that doesn't feel right. Like I feel yeah. like people are still grieving people that have died to COVID. I feel like people are still trying to pick up the pieces of their life. I feel like this is literally one of the darkest, loneliest moments that people have had to experience. And who is making space for Christians, not Christians, who's making space for people to just catch their breath again? Who's mm. making space for people to contend with all the feelings that they've been feeling? Who's making space for people to figure out like, what is my, do I even go back to some things I did before? Mm. Like, and just like, what's the word that is like the rallying that says, this is a safe space for you to come in and, oh, recover, mm. recover. And so I'm like, okay, you know, so let's have some honest conversation about some of the stuff that we're recovering from. And yeah. let me just offer some things that I've learned in my journey and I'm still learning. 
to just give people the room to breathe, to get right. mentally, emotionally, financially back into it. Okay. That, I mean, that's, that's really huge. And I think that's right, right on and consistent with, I think, what I've experienced from you and, and discernment and wisdom and trying to figure out what's actually needed right now, instead of what are, what are the voices saying that like would make the most sense? What's the right. sex, you know? Um, but it brings up a question for me. Yeah. Um, and as somebody who struggled with this, I wonder how you yeah. feel about your, so what your position as a leader in a lot of different spaces. So like you're, you started a consulting business, mm-hmm. you know, you're an author, you're a pastor. Um, are there limitations like natural to the fact that you're a public figure in that way? in terms of your, um, the way that you have to show up in those spaces or the way that you can connect with people? Do you feel those limitations? Does it, is it one of those things that you're able to have like a good set of boundaries within yourself around? Um, I know for me, that was something that never stuck. So yeah, yeah, what does that look like for you? No, that's a really good question. I think one of the things that we've talked about is, well, two things. Um, I think and and you know this too, there's such a temptation in a space like this to be like the hero. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I am the savior <laughs> of, of all of you people in recovery. And come unto me, all you that labor. <laughs> Which and I have to say, I, no one no one would say about you. That's right, not right, 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 right. No, no, but, the, the, but serious, I mean, because when people show up into a space like that and they're like, oh, and they send you messages, oh, you know, this is so refreshing. Please don't stop, please. Right. It's it, from the very jump, you're like, okay, all right. So number one, I'm not a therapist. <laughs> yeah. Number two, I don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And number three, we got to really start thinking about how this community of people who are gathering in the space could actually be more helpful to each other Mm. than I could ever be to me. So it's Mm. funny that you bring this up because one of the things we just talked about is, you know, in a couple of sessions, we're going to begin to create groups so people can interact with each other. Nice. Right? Because there's stuff that that I haven't been through that I can't speak to. Mm. And there's limitations of what I know about some of the things we talk about, right? So I can talk about trauma from a sociological, from a theological perspective. I I don't feel good about crossing the boundary of talking about that from a, you know, psychiatric perspective or or a clinical perspective deeply, right? Yeah. And so making it, you know, where I name those boundaries and we name those boundaries, but then we also create a space for people to know that those resources are available to them right man i think that's huge because ultimately i think a lot of people are coming out of this time looking for someone to lead them and what Mm -hmm. you're what you're saying is you have it within you this reminds me of something that you told me Mm -hmm. um uh i'll just can i quickly share that story Mm -hmm. all right um i will but i just want to say like it reminds people that you have this you don't need you don't need me i'm giving you tools that's that's that are useful that i've learned and and you do that so well you synthesize them and make them easy to 
to digest, but I, I think the gift that I am so consistently hearing you give is that you have everything you need. Yeah. And, and I remember, so I went to a church planters training and this is where you and I really bonded. Uh, That was in Minnesota, right? Minnesota. Some of the best food I've ever had at a conference center or anything. That seafood chowder. That's all I missed. That might be, that might be why we bonded because it was, yeah, yeah. Food and food and space, man, does it all. <laughs> but I, I just remember really struggling that week with feelings of inadequacy and also feeling like I didn't fit the um yeah. Yeah. the mold of like you need to do this thing. It needs to be a business. It needs to be run this way. I didn't like any of it. But you were a consistent voice throughout the week of pushing me towards like. But you have a unique thing. And then at the very end, we have this service and I'm just not doing, I'm, I'm crying. I come back to my seat. Which, by the way, I've been to like, I have been to dozens of church plant trainings and nothing like that has ever happened. Wow. For real? So that right. was unique to that one. That okay. stuff never happens. It was an amazing time. Yeah. Really? Okay. That, that right. space was never there before. Just, just so you know. Oh, wow. That gives me something more to think about then. Yeah. Um, but I'm coming back to my seat after like just struggling with all this stuff. And this guy, Sean Marshall grabs me in a bear hug <laughs> and just starts saying, you have all that you need. You just started, he just repeated it over and over and I'm just bawling in this man's shoulder. <laughs> and for me, I think, that's the message right now that a lot of people may not realize is still true. You know, like we always, one of the things that made America look to a strong in quotes leader like Donald Trump in 2016 was fear. Yeah. Uncertainty. Yes. When we have what we need Um, and strong, um, you know, demagogues like that will seize the moment. That's not what you're doing. And I think that's really huge. You know, absolutely. And I, I figured this out about myself. That's so affirming that you'd say that. Hmm. And, and, and I'll tell you why, because I figured out my strongest gift is not teaching. It's not writing. I believe my strongest gift is convening. Hmm. It is creating a space or offering people space for them to recognize the goodness that's already among them. Mm, that's and so good. I, I don't like, like I, I preached a message you heard me preach back in uh, February, 2020. And I, after that message, I had to leave the room because mm. it wasn't because I, I knew there were people in the room who disagreed with what I said, but I also knew there were people who wanted to praise me for what I said. Yeah. And I'm like, I had to leave the room because I'm not the object of this moment. Mm, like, that's good. I don't need I don't need to hear criticism. I don't need to hear praise. Like mm. I'm leaving you with this and I'm gone. <laughs> so like the best thing in the world that could ever happen for me is when I come in and do my thing and then people forget about me because now they're experiencing the goodness that's in the room. Mm, that's so good. And so that that's affirming for me because I think what we've seen happen so many different times is people take advantage of those kind of spaces and right. then take people to them. And then at some point, inevitably, mm. you with your limitations, you're going to disappoint. Well, I, I think that's really spot on to my experience too, that um, 
part of the issue with when you're not clear about those gifts, right? You're there to create a space. And, and ultimately what I want this whole thing to be about is community building. We need desperately more than ever. We need each other in, in a lot of ways. And I think when I think back um, to times when I was struggling and pastoring, I realized that one of the reasons people couldn't show up for me for the way that I thought that I needed them to in spaces where I was being vulnerable as a pastor was that they needed me. Mm-hmm. Like I had set up whether I, as much as I tried not to, as much as I tried to do the opposite of that, they needed me yeah. and I didn't know how to navigate that sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I, I got hurt when people wouldn't reach out um, after I'd share something difficult. And ultimately that was a, it's something that I learned now. Um, I would navigate differently in a space like that. You know, what I was, I needed them and I was needing them in a way that I probably, probably wasn't going to get. Um, and so, um, there's a lot there, but ultimately what I think is true, um, when you're a leader, uh, um, what I consider to be a good leader, you're going to be convening and empowering people to, to know that you're there to like sort of facilitate a space and create that environment where people can connect and build, you know? Yeah. And that's a, that's a, I want to say that that's a very recent discovery. Like mm. I, I pastored a church and it wasn't until after a year that I pastored that I realized that I was pastoring them so that I could make them what I needed. Mm. And I didn't, I didn't have an active awareness of that. Well, that later. I mean, I think that's true so often, right? That yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, um, and and me too, frustrated and angry, and not really knowing why. Hmm. And I think any time we function beyond our actual station, we frustrate ourselves, right? Because the the expectations that we're holding they can't be filled in that way. Yeah. And um, it's not that our needs are like wrong or that our needs are invalid because then that's the other lie that you have to fight with. Well, if you go to the other stream, it's like, well, I just, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have any needs. Yeah. I need to, I need to watch this. I need to die to myself. <laughs> and it's like, that's not quite what I meant, but you no. know. No. One of, yeah. One of the most life-giving things to me has been a recognition that I do have needs, that they're yeah. real. And just figuring out how to get them met, those needs met in ways that are, that feel healthy to me. It's just acknowledging those needs exist. And then you can process uh, in a way that makes sense to you to get those met. I I wasn't aware of those needs and it's true. I was always like, you know, depending on whatever it was, it was like, ah, I can't show up fully in this space. You name the space. I can't show up because Jesus would have me lay down my life in all places, right. <laughs> you know, exactly. you know, exactly. yeah. And I think that is so dangerous. And, yeah. um, I, and one of the things that we know to be true is that every human being, because we have those needs, we're bringing them in every space that we exist. Mm-hmm. And so if a pastor is up there getting their need for attention met or whatever that need is, um, and not aware of it, I think that's the key. That's the key. That's the key. That's the key. You know, 
And I think if we could be taught a little bit more about needs and yeah, we get personality types and we get some other, but like we get needs met from these jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important to know them and we're not mm-hmm. wor- worse because we have those needs. We're not okay. less worthy or whatever um, okay. Okay. the language is. You it's, know? It's, it's when we don't know and then we don't know um, the ways in which we're functioning and the ways in which we're enabling a function on the other end, mm-hmm. right? So, so there's a co-enabling that then can happen. Right. Um, but when you know and you can go into it conscious and you can negotiate boundaries around those things, because like I said, I mean, it's not, you know, I think the worst thing, and I'm speaking specifically about Christians here, mm. the worst thing that Christians have done is that we have... Um, we have somehow destroyed the humanity of Jesus. Mm. Like we make Jesus like not this person with feelings and needs. And then we go trying to emulate this person who's not relatable to anyone. Right? And this is a dude who just had all these human realities. And so... Mm. I think what I am rediscovering is the human Jesus. That's so good. And, That's so good. Um, and the fact that I can be, if I'm, if I'm going to be like him, if I'm going to do this, then I can be human too. I love and, that. You know, I love that, Sean. I, it makes me, I don't know why it makes me think of this, but I remember hearing about this concept, maybe it was from my therapist, of lear- learned helplessness. Like mm-hmm. it's a, there was this like um, a dog that they were doing this thing with where it would, there were four corners and each corner that it would go to, they would shock it. Right. And then they go to the, the dog went to the middle and of course they shocked it again. And the dog then was just like, all right, I'm done. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And for, for some reason, like maybe it was just the phrase learned helplessness came up for me because I think because we've made Jesus so out of reach yeah. within the Christian world, like we're we're just like well life is kind of just this life is right. hope, hopeless right and so i got to hold on to heaven yeah. to some afterlife yeah. yeah so then so it Some doesn't glad morning <laughs> when this life is over i'll fly away <laughs> i love yeah. that you yeah I, so i think that what it does is it it doesn't invite you into active participation right of changing the world Right. around you it invites right. you into okay right i'll just sing a song to my boyfriend in the sky and right. then we'll just keep going exactly. Yeah. exactly because if if we take if if we're just looking at a divine jesus then he's just here to take us out of the world but like yeah. the reality is a human jesus would be pissed about right. george Floyd. exactly human jesus would be pissed as hell about some of the stuff that's happening would be pissed that people made billions and billions of dollars as children stars mm-hmm. would 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 cry if mm. your loved one died of COVID nineteen. Right. Wouldn't be like, why can't I wear my mask? <laughs> I wanna, I, why do I have to wear a mask? Why do I have to wear a mask? I, you know, my body, my choice. You'd be like, <laughs> like, don't you, don't y'all see? Like yeah. people are dying. Like, right. why? What's wrong with you? What the hell's wrong with you? And so, you know, 
I'm, I'm trying to recap. Mm, that's good. But, and, but the, you know, yeah, I think when you're able to, uh, the truth is, if you know, if you're learning about Jesus as a 21st century, anything, you likely, <laughs> you likely are going to need to do a lot of work digging, <laughs> right. you know, that's right. like, that's be, right. because far too often, we've seen images of him that look like a guy that maybe has a nice beard, beautiful mm -hmm. blue eyes. You name mm -hmm. the image, it, it doesn't look like a first century Jew, mm -mm. you know? And so forget the images. He also did a bunch of things that we right. can't possibly know. And, right. um, and I, I feel like that place of, of humility and unknowing yeah. is so important in the world that we live in today yeah. in order to move past some of this yeah. Uh, this thing like back and forth Fox News CNN yeah. Um, yeah. left wing or right wing thing yeah. I, it's like it doesn't make any real sense to the human experience that's right um, and it certainly doesn't connect at all with the Jesus that you and I are like interested right. in learning about that's right that's right and that unknowing is faith and we don't know anything about it there it is we lean so much and so heavily all the time on what we know because that gives us security Hmm. That's so, so, so good. Yeah. I just, I feel like, well, one of the things too, is the, um, you got to bring faith into the conversation mm -hmm. that faith in the, in the scriptures means, um, allegiance or trust. Right. And the fact that we have turned faith into belief, it's about a belief system. Yes. yes. In, instead of, yes. yeah, like then you're secure in this thing, but really all faith all belief does is neuter you in a sense. Like it, it turns you into, I think like you're sort of stagnant and you're, you're able to then like, Oh, that thing lines up with this thing. So I must fall in with that crowd. And ultimately what faith does that puts you in this, like, all right, I'm just going to trust that this, that I don't know all the answers. Right. Belief makes you think you have all the answers, which ultimately as a finite being, you can't. Um, but so much of what's happening right now is a confrontation with this is what I know. And because I know this, you must be wrong. <laughs> and, and your value as a human being yeah, must yeah. not, that's it. you know, be as, uh, as valid as mine. That's it. That's, that's where it gets, that's where it gets real messed up. Yeah. Because now you don't believe what I believe. And so now you somehow less than me. Right. Right. Exactly. And that less than thing is, is like, so is so pervasive. And I think most of all, I think mostly people are tired of it, except yeah. maybe for some truckers in Canada. But I think like, <laughs> mostly people are tired of it. And ultimately, and ultimately, you know, um, that that's what I have always experienced. Like you trying to create is a community of people that sort of know how they can generate beauty and life and bring like their fullest self to the party rather than having to hide something. I think you have brought that out of me in a major way. Um, and I'm just, I'm excited to see where manifest goes, where your next book goes. You do, are you working on one? Transformation decisions. All right. All right. Transformation decisions, changing when... things that change everything. Mm. Yep, That's the next one. When's that coming out? Uh, I'm walking by faith. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, um, probably <laughs> that that would make you laugh. Uh, 
probably later this year, probably by fall. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Maybe you'll actually sign my copy of that because I don't have I a know. sign. I know. I know. I'm so bad. I'm so terrible. And Sean, thank you for joining me on this thank episode. Oh, so much, Dave. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me and thank the network. We're uh, really glad to have you, Sean. <laughs>